0: Welcome to the Being the Change podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Vanderveer, here with Isabel Kiyosayan. We are the founders of Meditation Without Borders, and today we are so excited because we are interviewing Dylan Smith. Dylan Smith is our Australian friend and colleague from Australia, and he is an Ayurvedic uh, genius. (laughs) Let's just put it out there. (laughs) (laughs) And he is the founder of Vital Veda, and um, you have to subscribe to his podcast. I'm saying have to because it is mandatory. have to subscribe to the Vital Veda podcast because it is so full of of all things having to do with Ayurveda, but not just Ayurveda. It's how Ayurveda fits into your life in a very practical way. So he goes very deep and gives huge knowledge while also bringing it to the surface in your everyday life. Um, and so we get to have him here with us today, and we are so excited. Thank you, Dylan, for being here. Thank yes, you thank you. I'm a
1: huge fan of your podcast as well, and I send it to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> thank
2: you, Izzy. Well, it's nice to be with you guys. and nice to be with some friends and have a fun chat
0: yeah you got you listeners didn't know this is a this is an infomercial for
1: for for Dylan's podcast (laughs) (laughs) it it has really been eye-opening because there's a lot of things in in Ayurveda that I thought I knew but when I listen to you it it becomes so clear it's like oh okay so that's how that works that's how I can integrate that okay Mm -hmm. so it's so amazing to to have that available for us
2: it's really nice to hear because i i think majority of my podcast is not ayurveda but of course it's always i bring it in with everything because even a lot of the guests i interview don't know about ayurveda they're just just anything in health consciousness spirituality relationships it's nice to hear.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, for me, I just love how it does, it ties into absolutely everything, which is why it's your your subjects that you cover are so um, fascinating and all over the map. Um, and I love how, as, as you was saying, you make it real and relevant. Because for me, I don't know if it's just because I'm stubborn or if it's because I'm pitted dominant <laughs> but I need a reason. Like, I won't just do something because someone tells me to do it. Like I need to know exactly why, in order to motive, motivate myself to incorporate any change whatsoever. And um, and you don't give just give the reason why you give the whole context of why the why is that way.
2: That's <laughs> as because well as I am Pitta. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> You know, what? one of the one of the things of being a practitioner, one of the the tools and values is to know your client, to know your patient, and how to speak to them. So the pitta people, we have to give the intellectual understanding, the science. The vata people, maybe we need to speak more and the, give them more of the energies and tell them how this sweat <laughs> energy and your chakras and <laughs> enhance your kundalini. And the pitta people, we kind of just need to, yeah, just. Really, keep repeating it and stimulating it, and just <laughs> hitting them. And just, did you get it? Did you get it?
1: <laughs> That's me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it so much because it actually, it it's actually is able to change my behavior in that way. It's you, you don't just know the right advice to give someone how to um, how to give it.
1: Yeah. And, and on all of your podcasts, as you were saying, you touch on so many different subjects, the bees, hmm. love, everything. and But you always bring it back to the self. Hmm. And, and that's what, what I love, because it actually makes you care more.
0: Hmm. And so I think I'm not sure... Our listeners how well they understand Ayurveda. So, um, so let's just give a little background on what Ayurveda is and how it relates to our practice of meditation. Dylan, would you mind? Because you're probably better at that <laughs> answer than me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ayurveda is a Sanskrit word. Ayur means life and Veda means knowledge or science. And that's, of course, what your podcast is heavily involved about is the Veda, that body of knowledge which governs the laws of nature. And so it's specifically the life aspect of nature or universe. And when we say life, we specifically mean like the lifespan of a human being, how to enhance their life, which is very much related with health. So Ayurveda is, you can say the translation is the science of life, which is a very broad and holistic body of knowledge, focusing on life of individuals, not just humans, but all living beings and the environment, because that's a living being and how to enhance that life, how to make it the most vibrant, healthy, and uh, evolutionary, harmonious for everyone who shares that life with that individual. <laughs> so that is Ayurveda, and it does it through so many ways. It does it through giving you herbal recommendations, diet recommendations, food, uh, things to do, lifestyle, how to live and chill with seasons. Then you can do some specific therapies, treatments, like that. And, and the essence of Ayurveda is to align you with nature, align you with your human nature, which is correlated with aligning with nature. So aligning with nature cycles, seasons, circadian rhythms, time of the day. And when you do that, you ultimately align with your own human nature and that's where perfect health lies. So Ayurveda focuses on, or rather intends to enliven health within an individual. It's not so much treating diseases and specifically targeting and zoning in on a disease and trying to rectify that it's rather putting its attention and attending to the health of that person that individual even if they're so sick even if they're terminally ill or they've had a chronic disease for decades there's still health within them and and that especially in a memory they have that memory of health everyone was born perfectly healthy and even if you weren't you still have the memory of perfect health at a cellular level so it enlivens that health and then the disease will dissipate. So that's essentially it better.
1: <laughs> uh, better. I, got I, just
0: I, <laughs> I I think I was actually transcending. <laughs> 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 that's definitely a better answer than I would have given for that. Now it's beautiful and I love how you talk about um, it's yeah, it's aligning yourself with nature, your own nature and the big nature. Mm. Um, because what, one of the things we like to talk about on this podcast is about social change. Mm. And we talk a lot about how meditation is one of the uh, most important things you can do if you're interested in social change. And I also want to make the point that Ayurveda, most people think of Ayurveda as kind of um, people who don't know much about it, think of it as like, oh, it's a, a diet thing, or it's a little personal care kind of philosophy, when really like you said, it's huge. It's the science of life and that so much of what is going on in our culture, in our world, how we're damaging the environment, how we're damaging each other has to do with the fact that on an individual level, we are not aligned mm. with nature. And so because individually we're not aligned, then the culture is not aligned. The collective is not aligned. And when things are out of whack <laughs> in, in the in that gross level, it's, it's almost like our bodies are sick, our, our individual bodies, and then the, the big body is also mm-hmm. sick. Mm-hmm. And that's where so much of the um, unrest is coming from. And so much of the division and so much of the pain and, and damage and destruction unnecessarily to our planet. Um, so I see Ayurveda is playing a, a huge role in people learning Ayurveda, just even just getting a, beginning understanding of it having a huge role in changing um are having a huge role in social change
2: you're totally right it's just connecting as you said aligning with nature and connecting with nature you know in human nature but the best easiest most effective way to do it is through meditation specifically a transcendental technique like Vedic meditation but you keep doing all these things and then you'll you will not want to play a part in these destructive forces or actions and more importantly you know take action towards creating you know social change and all those things that you guys advocate so it's (laughs) it's definitely like yeah rather than intellectually getting people to understand what's going on why is it bad rather we can give them the experience of their connection to to the society and then and then they'll be doing the most evolutionary things for that for that society.
1: Because well, I've heard and you can correct me, Dylan, if I'm wrong. <laughs> but in, in Ayurveda, kind of one of, of I don't know if the hallmark is the correct word, but if you're unbalanced, you'll crave things that keep you out of balance. And and when you're balanced, you crave things that keep you in balance. And and I think it's it's the same with with meditation when you're stressed you you crave things that stress you out you crave screaming <laughs> or being mean to other people or being a little destructive and and when and when you're in balance you don't crave those things anymore you crave kindness and mm. And all these things, and and that, and I think that's a, a very beautiful point in which Ayurveda, and of course, they have everything in common because they come from the same technique. Mm. I mean, the same tradition. But it's it's something so interesting that when you're out of balance, your body craves things that are that kind of may continue keeping you out of balance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's we want to balance ourselves through Ayurveda and through meditation and through all these things.
2: Absolutely. And and that, like, what, when you were just talking then, I really just thought about the three gunas, the three uh, basic qualities of nature, the three prime attributes of nature, and and that is, just very quickly, I mean, you can go into it as much as you guys want, but sattva, rajas, tamas. Sattva is like purity, rajas is like stimulation, and, and tamas is inertia. And we generally want to be predominantly sattvic. We want that attribute, or people can also call it emotional dosha or emotional body type or mental body type. We want sattva purity to be dominant because that is purity, lightness of being, unconditional love, pure intention, um, intelligence, wisdom. And when that's prevailing, you are wanting, craving all these things. Not even so craving. It's just like you're just your desire is to fulfil these. Uh, beautiful actions and and relationships but when we are inflicted whether it's our mind or our body is inflicted with more polluting substances like food or environmental pollutants or relationships or actions then we kind of move downgrade towards more of those less evolved um, attributes and that's like Rajas which is you know stimulation and uh, like excess passion and zealousness um (laughs) aggression fire all all the tamas which is just inertia lazy um darkness you know i don't want to do anything i prefer to just stay inside all day and and not (laughs) see the sunrise and not see the sun or daylight and just be on my computer and watch movies then they get those those desires you were talking about and it's interesting to see this as well even in like meditators and see it uh just see like which is totally natural i'm not downgrading it. i'm just saying it's interesting to notice that even people who are doing the work they still have those rajasic or tamasic influences and tendencies <laughs> where they'll go and have a night of drinking alcohol or not, i think they feel it a lot but like <laughs> just, or, or even like like recently i've been seeing patients who are like quite evolved and i've been like they've been around drugs and stuff and it's like mm-hmm. not and it's it's really i find to do with the people you're around and that, that's a big thing so yeah a little bit of a tangent perhaps but <laughs> the summer, no. so striving for predominant sattva which will rectify so many imbalances in the mental physical and emotional body
0: <laughs> yeah, I um, I kind of had my hand up a little bit, though no one could see because <laughs> our audio, I'm like, that sounds strangely familiar. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> uh, but I think it's having the awareness can help it turn into as a meditator. Even if you start slipping into some of those into Rajas or Thomas, you have the awareness of what's happening. You're like, oh, I'm in Rajas. Oh, I'm in Thomas. As opposed to I think what people tend to do is they just turn the guilt and anger on themselves and think like, oh, I'm just a bad person because I've stayed in, day f- in bed for three days and I don't want to get out. It's like, oh, no, if you have a knowledge of Ayurveda, you can be like, wow, I've been in bed for three days. I'm stuck in inertia. I know some herbs that can help get me out of this. Like, it's it's It, it doesn't become this this personal attack. It becomes just a um, symptom of where you are, and and yes. if Ayurveda, then you can. There's things you can do. It's not like you are. It isn't who you are. Let's put it that way.
1: That's good.
0: Um, and I'm I'm counselling myself here.
2: No, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. Like it's I'm not I'm not saying it's a bad thing or anything. It's natural, mm-hmm. and I, and you don't have exactly what you're saying to not condemn it. It's be aware of it is the key and. I'm just saying. Then you will, because as Izzy said, like it's, it's still you're having, you're still having those desires to watch the Bachelor reality <laughs> show, or like you know, drink. That's fine. Like, do it and enjoy it. Like, totally enjoy it. But, but the but when sattva really predominates and that purity increases, mm. you don't have those, and yeah. and it's just not at all a desire, and it's just not in your scope. You're so comfortable without it, and you direct that energy into such greater things for, right. insp- to inspire others and evolve others so yeah it's, it's all along the journey along the path
0: <laughs> and I love how you said it's not even desired for me when I it was actually when I came back from my teacher training that I um I, I hadn't even thought about not drinking it wasn't even something that came to mind it just um it was a f- couple weeks later after I was back and my husband poured me a drink and it was like a Friday night or something. And I tried to drink it and I just, (laughs) I I couldn't. And I was actually annoyed (laughs) because I was like, wait a second, this used to be fun. And I was just like, there was no desire. It just wasn't there. And, um, and that's as someone who's always struggled with discipline, I like when things are just automatic, you know, (laughs) like I'd rather just not want it than have to, Resist. spend all that energy resisting. Because like you said, it's about we all have energy and that energy can be applied to so many beautiful evolutionary things. Mm.
2: That's and key, what you said about the not trying or not intellectually trying to navigate it or rectify it. That's the beauty of Ayurveda. You can even look at it with like mental issues and emotional conditions. Like I, people who come to me who are like have some traumas or uh, uh, really stressed or anxious, um, instead of going to a psychologist or a kinesiologist and kind of try to go back into your inner child and bring it out. I mean, <laughs> yesterday I saw a patient who was really depressed, and he's been depressed his whole life, and I haven't seen him probably for a month or more. Maybe a couple months, and he just started doing this inner child work and bringing all this stuff up, and it's just really increasing his depression.
1: Wow, that's intense. Of course, it can (laughs) be
2: important at times, but like a lot of the Ayurvedic approach, which I love to do, is like, okay, let me just lie you down on my table. You're just going to be transcendent (laughs) in all this, and I'm just going to do the work, and you don't have to (laughs) go back to when you were 16 years old and you're boyfriend abused you like all these things it's just like i'm just going to release the memory out of your body by working subtle bodies and of course some people may definitely feel that later it may come out but it's just i find it a more smoother way to release stresses and, and and traumas and that's like similar with what you guys were saying just before
0: well, yeah, that's, that's um, really interesting because in meditation, it's the same thing. We're going deep and relaxing very deeply to release the, the stress around the memories, to release the sanskaras, turn them back to smirti. And so they're just memories without the trauma encapsulating the memory. Um, and once we release that stress around those memories, then, then they're just inert memories. Um, and digging up all our past by talking about it and bringing it out to the surface unless you have something to relax your body to release it i think it it, it just it's it recirculates back in um and so i love that ayurveda <laughs> so <laughs> i love that you get to do the work cuz <laughs> that's the best part but but there's something interesting about no matter what whether you're meditating using ayurveda or even with talk therapy it's about trying to release these the mm. stress
1: that's stored in our systems.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And they all and, have a role. Mm-hmm.
1: And with meditation, it's it's similar because some of my students are like, Am I gonna have to relive every single trauma that I've ever lived? And I'm like, No. <laughs> Don't worry, you will remember some things. Kind of like what Dylan was saying, some stuff might come up. Mm. But a lot of times you're thinking about things that you have to do in the day and you might be releasing some childhood. Issue that you're not even aware of, and so it's a very powerful, but at the same time, it can be it could be gentle. It doesn't have to be harsh. And for me, therapy, and I don't mean to put down therapy because I went to therapy uh, for some time and it was very helpful. But because I understood how things worked, how oh my mom is like this because of that, and my father is like this because of that. But even though I, I could understand it, the pain was still there. So what really helped. Hmm. release that was meditation and that's mm-hmm. and that's something that that was has been so powerful and for me dylan it was it's strange because in mexico there there's a couple of ayurvedic practitioners now but when i went to it i didn't know anything <laughs> i didn't even know what ghee was it's like what is that <laughs>
2: Not as common in South America, I okay. guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: but it's it's starting it's starting to mm. to grow, which is which is great. But and, and so when I, I came back to Mexico and I try to do some of the things that I that I learned in India, I struggled a little with finding the the enjoyment of it. Uh, um, and it's much better now. But I I wanted to ask you about how enjoyment can play a role in Ayurveda, especially when we're not really used to um, doing these practices.
2: It's a really yeah, you- good question. Yeah, what were you going to say, guys?
1: Oh, I was just going to say, I remember
0: Izzy telling me that because in Mexico you eat lunch at like what, three o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> so you're finding yourself eating lunch alone and it was making you sad. Yeah. <laughs> because in like, Ayurveda, it's like noon is the good lunch time.
2: No, it's so, so. good because I, I understand. I've spoken, when I've consulted with South Americans, um, they've done that. They've had that those issues. But, um, and, you know, they go to bed so late and eat dinner so late. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, first of all, know that Ayurveda is a universal medicine. It's not traditional Indian medicine. It's not even Indian. My teachers were very strong about that, who were Indians. It's just very strong and prevalent in India for a few reasons, one being that Ayurveda or that Indian really adhered to the seasons and the jyotish, the Vedic astrology, and they would do all these rituals uh, when the solstice changes and when the seasons change and when the sun goes into Capricorn and all these things, take a special drink at this time and do this special ritual, which were all Ayurvedic rituals because they transition your body from moving into a season to another. And there's other reasons. But, yeah, it's, it's Yeah. it's a universal medicine. So it's really the principles in Ayurveda which you have to apply. It's not, okay, you have to eat ghee and Indian food. It's especially with diet, it's a big one. And this is why I've done a whole course on Ayurvedic nutrition which will be released in 2021. And it's teaching you the principles of Ayurvedic nutrition so that you can apply that to your unique situation where you live in the world, your climate, what resources you have available to you and your unique schedule, are you a mother? Do you? What's your work like? How can you integrate these principles? So in Ayurveda, if there's a shloka which says, potatoes are the worst vegetable in the vegetable kingdom. <laughs> so, and, and particularly my teachers really don't like potatoes. And once they were traveling the world... <laughs> as they did a lot um, in the 80s and 90s and 70s. And they went to, Dr. Raju's name is, he went to Russia and he told them all, stop eating potatoes. (laughs) And
1: then
2: then his disciple next to him, who was an American, Dr. John Dulliard, he said, no, Dr. Raju, that's all they eat. (laughs) And And then he goes... Then he then he asks him, He goes, "So is this true? You've grown up on potatoes. Is it? Have your ancestors been in it for generations?" They said, "Yeah." They said, "Okay, then then it is good for you. It's okay. You know, for, <laughs> for me, soy will irritate me. It will irritate my hormones. It will, you know, irritate my thyroid gland. But for a Japanese person who grew up with soy, you know, whose generations have been on soy, that's fine." So that's compatible. It's called okasatmia. What, what, what are you accustomed to? That's a key concept in know <laughs> better. And there's so many of these concepts and it's just the principles. It's not have this vegetable but not this vegetable and this nut is good but that nut is bad and this grain is a superfood but avoid that grain and all grains are bad or, or avoid plants, lectins and all this stuff. So many diet fads but it's just the principles and the principles are very simple. You know, things like eat cooked food, eat fresh food, eat whole food, have the main meal at lunchtime, the main meal, all these things. This is what I do, of course. <laughs> but back to your question of how do you kind of integrate these things in a way that you enjoy? And it's, at first of all, you need to experience and experiment. When you start learning these and you realize, okay, I've got a digestive issue, I've got sleep issue, I've got joint issue, whatever it is, okay, and you have a hypertension, well, to fix that, here are some things. You're like, well, how am I going to do this? Integrate this. I think you have to experiment a bit and be a little diligent in the beginning, okay? And experiment, see how you can integrate that into your life and start doing research. Oh, I'm actually feeling better with this. And then once you, you know, recognize that, and you can even just recognize that from hearing, you know, me speak a lecture or whatever and and talking (laughs) about the benefits of it. And then you say, okay, I want to implement that. It requires a bit of diligence, but a lot of it is the social aspect. So like, well, how am I going to, even the drinking can be one thing. Like I drink to socialize. I drink with my friends. I think the bottom, the best thing to do is you just have to change your story in the social settings. Like uh, I don't, if it's 9 p.m. dinner time with, with the Feast family, say, no, nah, I don't eat dinner anymore. I just, I just have something light. Or if it's drinking, like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't drink. I just, I don't, I've stopped drinking for now. I'll just have some hot water. And just changing your story and owning that. And if you if you want that, if you desire that for whatever reason because you want to, you know, test it out to improve your health or because it makes you feel better so you desire to do that, just own it and really step into that power of yours and know that it's for the greater and who cares what you know others think and sure I have to do some things maybe perhaps a bit more myself because I'm not working with my family to create the meal or whatever it is. I think... Um, yeah, just, just stepping into it. And doing these things because you enjoy them is very important. So if you recommend it to do, like most people, to do a self-oil massage every morning before your shower, like doing that because you enjoy it, not because I told you to. And waking up early because you enjoy it, you enjoy feeling the benefits from it, you feel good. And it just, it's, again, it's like back to Satharajas Thomas, The more you purify yourself, the more you will align with nature. And that's what Ayurveda is about. That's why Ayurveda resonates with so many people all around the world, despite where you live, because it's, your, it's innate within you. All these recommendations we give, you know, like eat sun at, when the sun's the highest at midday instead of at 3 p.m. So eat lunch at, at midday instead of 3 p.m. You have a very light dinner because you're about to go to sleep and you're not meant to be digesting food at, at nighttime. You're meant to be regulating hormones and detoxifying the liver. So for that reason, early and light dinner. All these things are innate, so it's just a matter of time before you purify yourself to align with what you truly want and what your body truly wants. And um, when, you, when you're aligned with that, you will enjoy that. Well, if you're saying, well, i rather enjoy having lunch with my friends at 3 p.m. and being at, uh, having dinner at 9.30 p.m. and drinking alcohol, I enjoy that. But there's something greater and more fulfilling. and That will come with a radiant body and a radiant mind (laughs) and absolutely uh, blissful and fulfilling relationships. So,
0: I I am having chills once again. (laughs) (laughs) When you said change your story, it really, something hit me hard just thinking about how many people don't really believe they can change their story. Like there's this belief that They don't even want to try because anything they've tried before, they've always slipped back. And I think that's what's interesting about Ayurveda is your meditation. Ayurveda, you're changing the hardware, the therapy, self-help. All these things are wonderful software, but with Ayurveda, you're changing the hardware so you actually can run new programming. Mm. And so I think a lot of people, because they just haven't had that experience of having that upgrade of their own consciousness, of their own physiology, in order to to run the changes that they want to make in their lives. They they don't even want to try because it's already, they can feel that disappointment before they begin. And so they just, they don't believe that that, that change is possible. This um, is Thomas. Yes, exactly. It's Thomas. Thomas, it, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy <laughs> it's a cycle um but i love what you said that it just really um there was something in me it was like yes you can you can change your story that is always possible you're you are your own creator
1: yeah i i used to party before i learned how to meditate <laughs> You. <Yeah. Maybe. laughs> And it, and it was funny because when I when I started to meditate, I used to smoke pot a lot also <laughs> And when I started to meditate just I, I just didn't crave it anymore. It was it was interesting because pot kind of used to dull everything and that's what I felt like I needed And once I began to meditate, I felt so clear-minded and, and I loved how I felt that when I when I smoked, it, it took that away and I was like, I don't want that anymore. And with drinking, I was kind of like, or as Kristen was saying, alcohol just, my body is like, nope, it completely rejects alcohol. And even like, I, I like how a beer tastes. So if I have a sip, it's like, oh, it's good. But my body completely rejects it. And I found myself lying all the time. Like, oh, no, no, I can't. I can't have alcohol today. Um, I have a tummy ache. Or like, oh, I can't have alcohol. I'm, I'm on antibiotics. And then one day I was like... I just don't like it. (laughs) And then everybody stopped asking and it was so liberating. So it was a little like, yes, you can, you can change your story. And, and when it comes from, from inside, because we're always searching for these answers outside of us. And as you said, Ayurveda is, is knowledge that, that is within. So when you hear all these things on Ayurveda and with meditation, it's like, of course, I feel like I kind of already knew this, but, but you didn't, but it's, it's in your heart. You, you do know it. And for me, I used to be a, a kapha. I mean, I'm kapha still, but it was very unbalanced. And so I used to wake up at 1 PM and when I started to meditate and after IT, it completely, um, it was even more so, but I, I just wake up naturally early. And when I sleep in, first if I for some reason sleep late and I sleep in it I just don't feel good hmm. it's so that's when you, when you kind of surrender your preferences but it's not it's you're not really surrendering it because it's easy it's like this is how I want to live yeah I mean it's not with everything I still have a lot of work to do and
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the best what you said when I see patients who are drinking alcohol or or even doing drugs um the best thing I can get them to do is learn to meditate because then they don't need to like, as I said, intellectually stop or like struggle to stop their cravings. They just naturally won't crave it anymore. It's like even all going to bed. I, I spoke to a man, a man in Argentina, typical South American. He's going to bed at 1am every night, or <laughs> you know, probably eating at 9, 9.30, I think. And no, I, I try, you know, and he was a very Pitta intellectual person. I had to really give him the science about why you should sleep before 10 p.m. because this is what the 2017 Nobel Prize was won for was that after 10 p.m. is when the Pitta time comes in, which in Ayurveda says Pitta, but it's when melatonin is maximized. Melatonin is, you know, not only for sleep. It's the most powerful antioxidant in the brain. It's a powerful anti-cancer hormone. And your liver detoxifies as well, and it, and it also regenerates. So all the toxins and all the micro assimilation happens. So we know we have deficient, uh, like epidemics of deficient vitamin deficiencies and mineral deficiencies. And one of the reasons is because we're not sleeping between ten and two at nighttime. That's the time when we absorb these micronutrients from the food into our body. So it's not about how many hours you sleep for; it's when you sleep. Between ten till two is the crucial time. So I told him all this, and still, like he wasn't doing, and and then he started to meditate not long ago. And, you know, it's just naturally coming because he's, 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 and he's so he's stoked. He's over the moon about it because <laughs> he's just feeling so good and all this is happening naturally because he's aligning with his true self. His true self is to be in bed before 10, well before. I mean, we never was up bed so late. And of course, on occasions, it can be on special festivals or special astrological events, full moons, <laughs> things like that. But very occasionally. So, yeah, that's the best. And with the addictions and all this, it's just meditate naturally. And I had the same thing. I think so many, we see it with every so many meditators. And I just love seeing it in my patients. If they learn to meditate, the alcohol reduces. Because they prefer your pure state of consciousness. And this is what I say. This is what you have to change your story to. And, and like you said, Izzy, so liberating. You're like so empowered when you own that. And you're like, no, I don't drink. It's just, that's just, then that's, your friends are like, whoa, this girl's powerful she's <laughs> stepping out of the norm and like <laughs> doing, and, and yeah so it's, uh, it's beautiful
0: it's um it's funny when you talk about the pit of time of night I, I i had a lot of um issues with what i thought was insomnia and really was just um i was staying up too late <laughs> Because once I would go into that Pitta time, it was like I was like He-Man, Masters of the Universe. Here I am all Pitta. And I was like tapping into the Pitta. And I'm like, yeah, I can get so much done. But I can do everything but not fall asleep. <laughs> and really, it, even now, it's like I know if I miss that window, then I'm going to have a lot of trouble falling asleep. And it's not because I'm an insomniac. It's, it's because of I, I'm, I'm out of step. I'm just out of step.
2: You're missing the kuffer train. So, but before <laughs> 6 till 10 p.m., is what we call kuffer train. And kuffer is like, was what I call <laughs> It's like heaviness, sluggishness. When you go to bed before 10, you hitchhike on that more deep, restful sleep. But if you miss that, you go to bed after 10, it's more fiery. It's all those metabolic processes are happening, and it's much harder to sink into that deeper sleep. So, that's why if you go to bed, People think, well, shouldn't I be more tired if I'm staying up longer and it'd be easy to get to sleep? But no, you get that second wind. So for people with sleep issues, that, that is definitely important.
0: Yeah, the times when I have stayed up late to work, I'm like, I'm in pitta time, <laughs> getting so much done. It's awful for me.
1: But <laughs> so one so of the things that we, we always talk about – me and Kristen, is how meditation is is an act of social change in itself. And I think Ayurveda is an act of social change in mm. itself. Because once we, and, and we talk about this a lot, but once we start to change ourselves, that kind of ripples mm. ripples through. And so Dylan is, of course, a, a force <laughs> of social <laughs> change as well. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, I mean... I'm just – that's the main thing, of course, that you change yourself. And I used to go to um, – I used to be like an environmental activist, not not hardcore, but I went to a few of those blockades and stopped them from the coal mines and chaining to the trucks, chaining ourselves and all this stuff. And then I stopped because I'm just like, well, you know, I'd rather work on the consciousness of everyone and, and, and those people who are supporting those environmental destructive – those companies that are destroying the environment just let's just change their consciousness but i think if we go beyond just changing ourselves which is primarily the most important probably is when you're with ayurveda you're living in one key concept again with the food even which is obviously a huge thing for environmental is eating locally not importing things like as Mm -hmm. much local as possible um learning about foraging there's so much food that grows around us um, even if you're living in a suburban area or in a city like me I kind of have a pact that I don't like to buy vegetables as much as possible because so much of it grows in the streets in the parks you just know that area you know if it gets sprayed by pesticides by the council and where do the dogs wee and all that stuff and you <laughs> you can find but but just local I've I used to get in rice from india and now i'm because that's they've got a really good type of rice which is very good for digestion but now i'm just like well actually ayurveda prefers to have what lots what's local and now i'm getting local rice which is not easy to find in australia so yeah i think just being these principles local and in tune with nature's rhythms um then you're in tune with the environment and and community is so also so important in ayurveda is you know how do you how do you relate with others? Um, you can even go into living, and this is much more subtle, like the Jyotish, the Vedic astrology. And you guys could probably interview a Jyotishi and and see how like attuning with the cosmic weather and being aware of the patterns is important for social change because that's huge influence on these mass social events. And whether it's in a smaller circle, like the past week we had this big conjunction. Uh, of Jupiter and Saturn and uh, from the new moon till then, like maybe people were feeling very irritable, particularly in their inner, in their family environment, their close environment with their, with the people who they live with. But yeah, so there's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) um, But yeah, the food I'd say, and just being in tune with nature's rhythms, um, the sun, you know, you just, you just, when you're appreciating these, these greater, Being sentient beings like the sun like the weather patterns um the ocean all these things you i think you you create much harmony and support from nature and not just the cosmic intelligence of nature but specifically like the the more earth that you when you increase that connection with earth it supports our society and that allows for, increases the support for social change because when the earth is kind to us and in a relationship with it it's it's not just I'm connecting with society of, of my human beings but it's okay we're, us, us, us as a community as humans we're connecting with each other which is great we're working on social harmony but then we increase it to the environment and we attune with that environment's cycles its rhythms its nature then we Kind of invite that that greater intelligence within our society, and that will uplift us for harmony, and 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 profound social change. So I think that's a wonderful uh, third party for us humans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got me really thinking about how we are. Yeah, you know, it seems like modern society has been making a point. Of going against nature for the past few hundred years, not just going against nature, but really taking pride in it. Um, where we have electric lights uh, that keep us up so we can be up past sunset, and we have um, we're able to grow food at all times of the year and import it from one place to another, so that we can have a pineapple in the middle of winter, and um, all these other inventions that that are taking us away from the rhythms from our natural rhythms, even medicines, the medical industry. I think about things like birth control. Um, When I went on birth control, which in many ways is an interesting thing because you think about birth control is like, it's the great, it's a great feminist invention. It freed women in so many ways, but at the same time, that freedom had a dear price in losing the connection with the rhythm of our bodies and the purification of our cycles. Um, So, I think one of the reasons um, I'm guessing, but I'm hoping that one of the reasons Ayurveda is coming into the consciousness of the Western world is because we've lost our path. <laughs> we've lost the plot. <laughs> what, what do you feel about that, Dylan? Would you say?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Of course we have so disconnected from nature and its rhythms. And as you said, the, the huge thing for that is, of course, artificial light. You know, we mm-hmm only I think um, one and a half centuries ago, not not, not long and since then've it's caused a lot of biological implications, a lot of disease because primarily not only for eye health but of course mainly for hormonal health because you know, uh, so many hormones are light mediated they're turned on by what goes hits our retina. so if we're looking at a light like a screen or even have the lights on after midnight or no, after sunset, our brain thinks it's midday and that causes yeah. so many issues and then we don't get that proper hormonal regulation between 10 and 2 at night. And our thyroid glands are turned on by light and we have an epidemic of low thyroid and thyroid disorders. Um, it's turned on by specifically morning light because we see the light, the, brain, the light hits our retina and that sends a message to our pituitary gland to secrete the thyroid hormones. So that's why one of my key recommendations for low thyroid is to... Go look at the sunrise and sniff oil up your nose to activate the pituitary gland, specific oil. And and even if you can do some yoga, like, like sun salutes, that will really activate the metabolism. But so many uh, so many things. And another one to the light is like the, the war on microbes, the war on our biome. We are mostly bugs. Like 90% of our human body is made up of microorganisms, of bacteria. And only 10 percent of it is human and we have this war of you know not only antibiotics as a medicine antibiotics in the meat industry in the livestock and then and then even that's increasing absolutely because the the meat industry as well as the fish industry is so overcrowded like you look at farmed fish they're just pumping them into an area and feeding, they're all swimming in each other's poo and all each other's sweat, and then you. Um, so they just pump it with antibiotics to just keep the disease away. Otherwise, all their 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 stock will will become diseased. So that's huge antibiotic use. And then the biggest one by far is is glyphosate, which is a pesticide. Um, it actually was never patented as a pesticide. It's patented as an antibiotic. Um, so that which which was are spraying is now so prevalent even in the sky in the rain because the big problem with glyphosate the pesticide is that it it's water soluble so it it, it it absorbs into the water tables into our waterways and then it goes into our water system and it's it's a huge antibiotic so and then of course when we have then we have like a pandemic of when we're told to be Scared of bugs, and we over-sanitize more now than ever, and, and even before the pandemic, this over-sanitization. So we're we're really uh, reducing the diversity of our microbiome and the strength of our microbiome. Then we can add to that probiotics. People are now taking. They said, okay, I've got to get good bugs. But the problem with probiotics is, you know, it's a few strains of bacteria, maybe six mm-hmm. strains, maybe twenty. Now they're making it at the most. But usually it's it's only a few or six strains of different microorganisms in a probiotic, and that creates like a monoculture, like mm-hmm. mono farming, and just and I'm just going to plant qu- corn and wheat and rice, and and then as soon as something else comes in, um, like something that's being triggered by a new virus or you know a, a novel virus such as COVID nineteen or so whatever it is, something comes in and you, or you travel to India and you're exposed to new bugs then you you don't have you have such a weak microbiome that it's just going to get inf- affected so and by the way if you get sick in india you you're, doesn't necessarily mean your microbiome's weak everyone gets sick in india <laughs> we're just, oh, westerners that is we're so our, our, back, our gut microbiome is so different to there but In general we are over sanitizing we we have this war mentality against microorganisms and this is really important for harmonious environment is microbes because as i said we're mostly bugs we're absolutely outnumbered by bacteria and we need to really stop this war mentality and uh, adopt a mentality of harmony harmony i'm going to create a nice environment for you it's not just microbes it's parasites as well and fungi and fungus like there's we're full of we have even more parasites than than bacteria and we have even more fungi than that. And so and then viruses is the most by far. There's like so many there's like there's not even a number for the amount of viruses. It's something like ten to the thirty-one. That's one with thirty-one zeros after it. So to kind of think that we can control all these all these microorganisms um, and, and information is it's really absurd and we need to just create a nice harmonious environment for us within our human body because we house so much of this as well as within our uh, environments that we live in and, and reside in and then they will be harmonious and then they're not going to become virulent pathogens like we can have parasites in us that's fine we have cancer cells it's similar with cancer like me christy and uh, Isabel, we all have parasites. We all have cancer cells, but they're doing the job. They're performing apoptosis. They're dying. You know, they're naturally dying, and then a white stem cell comes and take over. But someone with the cancer disease, they're they're not doing that job. The cancer has lost that intelligence. They're not dying. They're actually multiplying because they feel so isolated. Be like, oh, this this human is not being nice to me. The environment is not inviting. Why is your environment? Why is your microbiome so? So, it's I don't want to live there. It's kind of rejecting me, and then it's just like, okay, I'm on my own. I got to multiply, 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 and that's how cancer grows and spreads. So, we need to focus more on our environment, our inner environment, our human body, and our outer environment, and that is a key which we've lost with this modern industrialization. So, you can just to simply without learning all the pathways and tricks and tales to it all just start living in tune more with nature start being in nature more start living in tune with the sun start sleeping with the sun waking with the sun eating with the sun that is eating when the sun's the highest um and living in tune with the seasons eating local food that means living in tune with the seasons because you're eating what that season is providing to mitigate whatever's happening in your body in that season so all all these different ways um so many there's we could speak about so much about all the ways to <laughs> mitigate the the burdens of the modern industrialization
0: i love how you simplify it down to that because i think a lot of people just get so overwhelmed both with when they kind of start realizing just how out of step with nature our society is and their own lives maybe and then they look to ayurveda and they see all these different like oh, i was supposed to do this, this this and this it's like if they can really just remember just, just make friends with nature. <laughs> mm. Then um, it seems like it's an, an attainable thing, and also something that doesn't feel. There's no aversion to that. But mm. It feels like something I hope people can take from this and and um, and enjoy.
2: Yes, and in that I'll just also add: to such an integral part of nature, and it's one of the five elements according to the Vedas, is the water. What What is your relationship with water? Do you know where your water comes from that is going into your house? Like, which water table is it coming from? Where is it harvested? Where is your city municipal harvesting it from? Um, what are the nat- what are the springs around you where there's actual real water coming out? You know, my friend who's a full-time water researcher and, and, and educator, she doesn't call it tap water. She calls it tap liquid because it's not even water. <laughs> it's just – it's so – it's so – pulverized with chemicals (laughs) and then which is good because you're getting rid of the pathogens unlike india and uh, indonesia where you'll get those pathogens and get a parasite if you drink tap water or tap liquid but and then it's it's just so far away from it's just dead it's just dead so where the real where's the real water where can you get water connecting to that where's what where's your food come from where do, speaking to farmers where just knowing more about what what you're consuming and what you're and, and also the way you consume it and the way you purchase it eating with awareness eating like a ritual. In, in Ayurveda, we say that eating food as well as cooking food is like a yagya. And a yagya means like uh, surrendering your preferences in order to connect with a higher aspect of consciousness or, or connecting with more subtle beings. And when we feed someone or feed ourselves, especially when we're feeding someone else, we're feeding like the, the higher aspect of that person. We're feeding their the god in them so we want to do that with reverence and and with awareness and with consciousness um so yeah just increasing this bringing it back to the social change and just <laughs> just increasing it to perhaps more of not just humanity but the environment and even this divine beings and when we are inclusive of all that there's so much the, the the divine beings which is just the the divine aspects of ourselves as humans and the more subtle aspects of our life that most people are ignorant of which is i don't expect anything more but when we start inviting those aspects into our life because they're so powerful and divine they will just uplift all social change
1: i love that and and I love the surrendering, um, because it, everything in our practice is, is surrendering our, our preference. But when you feel and live the reward, it's it's joyful. It's a joyful surrender. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of not even surrendering anymore. It's like yes, I I want to do this, and it and it creates the whole ripple effect and I'm just in, in awe and I want to go and do everything Ayurvedic <laughs> after. <this. laughs> mm. Dylan,
0: thank you so much. It, this makes me want to make like a really nice meal for my family. <laughs> right now. And, and, and I used to, uh, wish that my ancestors ate a lot of Oreo cookies, but even after now, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm letting go of that. <laughs> Cause, um, Yes, thank you so much. This was really a beautiful, beautiful um, time spending with you. And thank I appreciate you. you taking the time to, to thank come Thank you
1: so in. much.
2: Pleasure, guys. I've thank enjoyed you. it. And thank we you. haven't gone through much of the things that people can do. Like we spoke a lot about it and like why. But we haven't gone through a lot of the, the things that Ayurveda tells you, specific things. We mentioned a few, but for, for that, you know.
0: Well, how about what, what is the best thing – resource people if someone's interested in ayurveda where should they start
2: mm. yeah so the, <laughs> the best thing is to to, to learn the vedic meditation because then you have experiential <laughs> knowledge of the veda and then you kind of w- you'll ultimately just uh start manifesting it in your life it'll start turning up in your life and you'll become aware of it but, but you can see my website there's a lot of information a lot of uh rituals and mm, Things on diet, a really good overview will be um, the online courses I'm releasing in 2021 because that's encompassing different areas, as well as one on the whole essence of Ayurveda. Um, yeah, I mean, I it's it's it, I sound like maybe only telling my things because I'm very careful with with Ayurvedic knowledge because a lot of it has mm-hmm. been misinterpreted and misunderstood. So yes. I, there's so many people who ask me about. Just where can I study Ayurveda and I've always not had a, had a good answer. My only answer was like <laughs> my teachers are doing this program in India. You can go start with them and, and that's you know obviously not feasible for most people. That's why I created these online courses. The other, the other answer was to start reading the classical text but that's for those who you know really want to study Ayurveda. But for just starting, you know, you can you can start with those things: a website, podcast. There's also Lifespa.com is Dr. John Douliard's website, a really fantastic resource. I think I can say that it's similar to me. He's very similar to me. We're both disciples of Dr. Raju, and he's much older than me. He was, but his website is full of wonderful resources. Um, so those are plenty. That's plenty of things to see. My website, Dr. John's website. That's my
1: yeah. <laughs> and and if you have a particular um, for our audience, uh, something that you would like to work on, uh, Dylan gives consultations as well, and and it's it's amazing to he's fantastic, have right? that.
0: <laughs> I uh, I was blown away by he's the first person I've ever actually kind of listened to. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
2: I, I don't know you well, Kristen, but I know that that's a very big compliment for you. <laughs>
0: It is. It is. (laughs) Thank you so much, Dylan. This has been beautiful. We so appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take
1: your day.